0: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fine. Thank you. Congratulations to us on making it to the 21st episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Yeah, now we can legally drink. Let's do it. All right. All right. So I'm telling you, Jeff, that you have to rate, review, and subscribe to A Waste of Time with It's The Real, not only on iTunes, but also on SoundCloud. Oh, on both. On both. All right. Okay. We have some
1: good episodes. I feel like people might enjoy. Like what? We have uh, Joe Budden from last week mm-hmm. talking about Monopoly. We have Joe Mandy talking about Gucci Mane, and mm-hmm. we have JoJo talking about JoJo. Just
0: lots of lots of Joes. Yeah. This is like that lay track where it was like all Joes. What yeah. was it, it called?
1: Was, uh, Not your average Joe. Not
0: your average Joe with Fat Joe and
1: Joe Budden and the Sugar Joe. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, we should talk about that sometime, but. For now, let's get into this podcast with Bun B. When do you wanna start it? Right now.
0: Yo, what up, it's Eric, aka Newsstands and bylines, aka magazines and clips. Yo, what up, it's Jeff, aka
1: Bad Friend, Good Lover, aka the backstabber.
2: Yo, this Bun B, aka the trilogy, aka Bobby U and aka yo baby mama, baby dad.
0: Yeah, and this is waste time with this the real.
2: Chick, chick, boom.
0: <laughs> that was a shotgun. Bun. You, know, you guys like automatics? I no, it's true. I'm a Texan. I brought a shotgun. Yeah. I brought a shotgun. Very typical. Thank you for coming to the Upper West Side for this. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we silverware. Yeah. <laughs> we we I made, made this is like war of the world. Like, <laughs> just like we made um we roasted chicken and we got couscous. And onions and carrots and celery and sweet potatoes and red peppers. Uh, the latter of which you are not going to even touch. No, I'm going to save that for my good friend Charles.
2: Yeah. <laughs> as you can tell, I'm not a
0: vegetable. Guy. Um, but meat but, and potatoes. But you're back in the city because the last time we saw you, by the way. Oh man, we you brought you with us. Yeah, absolutely. For the Yolono tour, two shows one night uh, at the Gansavort. So thus, it's a, it's a tour. And, yeah, it was an amazing uh, tour, by the
3: way, Thank say.
2: you. Yeah.
0: Yes. We're just glad that you were there for the last show. No, I mean, we closed out with a bang, I think. You know, having the
2: band there was a, a great addition. Mm-hmm. Um, having me there was an incredible addition.
0: It was a big to-do, obviously, to put on the Yolono tour. Um, a lot of it fell onto Jeff's and my shoulders, including the planning of getting you certain places, setting up the audio equipment, and then Greg Mayo, who ran the band. Like, that was a lot on him. There was a concern that that you would fly in at a certain time, and would you be there when we were gonna hit, you know, and start right. "Girls of the Dirty Souths," the song you're on of ours, and our brother Dan was coordinating. Right, Dan was running which, point which, for everything. Yeah, which he did a, a very good job. I'm mm-hmm. ask. Yeah, well, he has a real job, so he has like real responsibility. And he was wearing
1: a suit, so he looked official. People thought that he was our manager.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, you came. I think came he in... thought he was too. <laughs> <laughs> you came in. Uh, you came in basically on time. Basically on time. And then, and then Dan gave you a 15 minute heads up. You were staying in the Gansavort. so. Dan was like, "Oh, I just should I?" In my head,
2: as if people could hear that.
0: <laughs> Dan-, <laughs> Dan was like, Dan was like, "Oh, should I have given him like a buffer? Should I have like sort of told him maybe twenty minutes or you know something to sort of get him down on time?" Bun at like fourteen minutes and fifty nine seconds steps off the elevator. Dan was like, "Whoa!" And so we're on stage. We start started up the song. Go through my verse. Go through
1: my verse. And then we look to our right and we see you. Periscoping, Periscoping. Mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> About to
0: miss your cue, but then somehow you ended it right on time and no, came right on stage. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, I was like, is Bun really going to come to New York for this one thing? Miss the cue and yeah. and you? I mean, clearly this is what you've done for a couple of decades. I've done it a few times yeah. and and flawless, flawless. It was unbelievable. Well, I mean, you know,
2: I'm really good, <laughs> and when you're as good as I am, mm-hmm. you know. It's just kind of hard to to fuck shit up. So Mm -hmm. even though I might have been, I could have even been purposely trying to miss my cue,
3: Mm.
2: right? But I'm just so good that my, I guess for lack of a better term, innate goodness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. You were like, it was a bit. (laughs) It doesn't allow me, right, to drop the ball. You really didn't. You know, and I mean, I was was, uh, stuck in traffic Mm -hmm. on my way here to do this interview. Mm -hmm. Really thought we were going to get here late. Nope. And they goodness kicks in again. <laughs> right? Transfers to the Uber driver as well. All of a sudden he's good as shit. He's never been good before, right? Because wow. he's an Uber driver. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, boom, he's got it. We're all good. And Charles now- is there. Charles is he's gonna have these vegetables in a minute. Yep. He'll be good.
1: Um, so did you give him a five stars? No. <laughs> you could have upped his rating up to like a one point three or something. I'm, you know, I'm gonna
0: like- give him I'm gonna give him two stars. I feel like you're you're almost like the Pope. You just sort of like bless people as you Move Pass from by, yeah, person to person. All I'm missing is a Fiat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you would not push a
2: Fiat. I would. I'd push the Gucci Fiat. Oh, all right. That little fucker. Fair. Right. Would
0: you? Would you push a Tesla?
2: Yes, actually, I um, Tesla's got an SUV.
0: What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I just saw.
1: I think it's there. a test SUV. Hmm. Do they?
0: <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thank you. Do they have dealerships down in, in Houston? Yeah, they have one actually
2: in the middle of the Gallery Mall. Whoa. So I've been intrigued by it, and then a good friend of mine, Carter, um, which is interesting side note. Carter's family owns Kettle Brand Chips.
0: Oh, for real?
1: Yeah. Wait, um, can we get a hookup? <laughs> I mean,
2: I can get you a bag of jalapenos. That's about, <laughs> as,
1: that's
2: about as much as I could do. But um, Carter works with Tesla, so they actually brought Teslas on. They brought Teslas on Gumball for the last two years. That's cool. But it gets like they have to take a very specific route because there aren't as many chargers in Europe as there are here. Sure. There, so.
1: But, gets like, yeah, I guess you can't, like, siphon electricity from people yet. It's not going to happen. There's no Mofi yet for a Tesla. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so we want to talk about basically everything. Okay. I want to start off with um, your very beginnings, not just with UGK, but you were basically signed to cash money.
2: Well, not signed. I was getting money from them, which is very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was literally one of the only artists outside of the artist signed to the label that they actually even did music with. Yeah. I was there. I was at the actual show where um it was it was UGK, Too Short, UNLV, which was mm-hmm. one of the earlier groups from mm-hmm. Cash Money Records, yep. and Manny Fresh's first group, which was Manny Fresh and Gregory D. Yep. So they were all there at the show, and that was the, the actual day where Baby and Manny sat and talked about him coming to do music wow. with them to be and like then,
1: the in-house producer like the Well, just producer. come in
2: like we want to get some beats from you. Yeah. yeah. And then from that meeting, Manufacturing. You saw that happen. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Great. I mean, I was I've in been a there since the beginning. I met Baby right when he came out of prison. He was a rapper. Um he was actually the first rapper on Cash Money Records. Right, he was B32. I thought it was B23. Mm-mm. Is it B32? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's
1: right cuz B32 is the vitamin that they cut dope with. <laughs> oh, I thought it was cuz he said that he had um 32 gold teeth. No. <laughs> oh, no. But I uh, uh, Maybe both of that, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's what he probably yeah, if, said. Well, and easy, he got an inheritance and started the <laughs> WA. Mm-hmm.
2: But the movie tells us different now. <laughs> right. I didn't see the funeral. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the
0: dead uncle. But, Any by election. the way, we saw you at the New York screening for that.
2: Yo, so when the fucking movie stopped and the goddamn screen went up and mm-hmm, motherfuckers was mm-hmm. just sitting there, yep. like, I knew there was going to be a Q&A and yet I was not prepared for that, right? Yeah. Like it's just like you're watching the NWA movie, right? And you know after the movie... There's going to be a Q&A, right, right with people from the movie. But yep. literally, the movie finishes, the credits roll, and then the fucking screen that you're watching the movie on mm-hmm. goes up, and then there's
1: Ice Cube, and F. Gary Gray, and all these kids. And Yo-Yo. And, uh, no, uh,
2: was it Yo-Yo?
0: No, it was no, M.C. Light. No, oh, MC, MC, M.C. Light. M.C. Light. I'm sorry. M.C. Light.
1: Um, but it was just like uh, Disney's Hall of Presidents.
2: It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. But the kid that plays... I've, I feel like the kid that plays Easy, is a fucking star. Oh, yeah. For right? sure. With, with no disrespect to the guy that played Dre, he's a Juilliard actor, <laughs> You see him talk and hear him and see his mannerisms. He acted like he, he has nothing in common with Dr. Dre, any of those mannerisms at all. That's all acting. He's from like New Orleans. Yeah. And Cube's Cube's son. I mean, literally had his whole life to prepare for that role. Sure. <laughs> but uh yeah, the guy that played Easy e man, that, that dude, uh I think his name is Jason, if I'm not mistaken. Kid, he was great. Because it's a star.
0: And you asked uh, one of the first questions at that.
2: Q&A. Yeah, I had to ask a question after Michael Eric Dyson yeah. did a whole fucking uh, diatribe of like, yeah, like, wasn't even a question. He just talked at him right. for like extended.
1: five minutes.
2: And, and then, like, like, okay, here, bun, extra
1: superficial, <laughs> surface
2: ass question. I just.
1: Well, you're both professors, so. Yeah, I mean. And you shouted out your wife, so, I mean, you know, it was a good. <laughs>
0: All, all, I, all a good night. Yeah, you Well, I mean, your yeah, price. I
2: mean, I thought it was ill though that they like, you know, if you looked at all the pivotal scenes, like with every one of them, where they came to these grand awakenings about their situations. It was with their wives, and sure, I think that's a very real thing for most people, right? Especially like I know in the entertainment business, for a lot of guys, it's just the wives that are usually like, I know that's your friend. <laughs> I know you like that guy. I know you guys get along. I don't trust him. I think something's up, and you need to watch your back about that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and for me, I like to think I'm a good judge of character. So for a long time, Wait, then why a lot are you of here? Times, Present
0: company excluded. Yeah. Right? yeah,
2: Well, that's what I thought. <laughs> Keyword being thought, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then um, and then my wife had to open my eyes about a couple of things, and he ex out a couple of friends, and then you realize that you know your wife's your best friend, and uh, you're good money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back to Cash Money. Just do this. Good do money. We, to how Cash do we money. Get there? How do we get there? Yeah. So yeah, I made good money with Cash Money, but um, no, I was never really signed and. Everybody wanted to sign me at some point, like, well, me and Chad for that matter. So, we, I mean, we got offers from everybody, but Chad was always like, I'd rather be number one on my ship than be number eight on somebody. Because it's like, okay, we go to Cash Money. We come after all of them, all the solo artists in the group, so we're like seventh on the roster. If we go to No Limit, we're like 12th on the roster. You know, if we go to Rockefeller, we're sixth on the roster. If we go to Bad Boy, Guy would maybe 15th. On the roster at then point, so we had offers from every record company,
1: yeah, to Wait, buy Rockefeller, yeah, I mean, like i I had never heard I mean, I knew that you recorded the the verse for him for Jay, but like I didn't realize that, that you had meetings, yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't a meeting, it was like you know, if y'all want to get out
2: of that deal, you know, let us know, mm-hmm. and they were pretty good at getting people out of their deals, yeah, so. um <laughs> Buffy as well, I mean, it was yeah. seven figure offers from pretty much every record company out there.
0: So but back in the back in the early, early, early days, the truth of the matter is essentially you guys were regional, right? And super well, yeah, regional. Yeah, absolutely. But what was it about these New Orleans guys that appealed to you? I just like New Orleans as a city, right? I yeah. had a lot of friends from New Orleans and
2: I just liked how New Orleans regulated itself. You know, New Orleans is one of the most crooked cities on the planet, not just in America, on yeah. the planet, right? So there's there's some very weird systems in place in, in in the city council aspect, the police aspect, and in these all these different neighborhoods and wards and these projects. So you just got to know how to move around and who to move with. And it was always interesting to be able to do that, you know, in any city, right? right. I should yeah. love I should love to come to New York and get in a car with Keith Murray yeah. and go uptown. Or get in the car with Nori and go to Queensbridge, you know? Yeah. That shit, cause everybody don't get to do that shit, right? And I'm in Queensbridge at 2, 3 in the morning, getting fucked up with Nori out on the block, watching people get beat up, all kind of shit. Yeah. Like, I was loving it, right? Everybody doesn't get that access, right? Sure. And I try to offer, so, so that's when I start trying to offer that access to my city, where people, so you hear people talking about they came to Houston, I pick them up, I take them to Frenchies, I ride them through 5th Ward, 3rd Ward, all that type of shit. And that type of shit, I think it's, I think it's important, man, you know, but, but yeah, we had a lot of different artists from a lot of people, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we didn't really want to, a lot of them were our friends and we didn't want to work for our friends.
1: Right, right. You don't, you don't want to work for your friends. So you spent also, a lot of time, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say that Pimp C, you know, didn't have too many friends in the industry. Well, he had a lot of friends in the
2: industry. It was just that certain people,
1: um, it was
2: just, he was just very bluntly honest about right. a well, lot of things.
1: I think that a lot of people thought that Pimp C was their friend, but he himself may not have. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I guess on any given
2: day you could feel a certain way, mm-hmm. right? And that was basically Chad in a nutshell. <laughs> like on like, any given day, we could be going anywhere with this shit, mm-hmm. and um, it just felt kind of how he woke up in the morning. But he felt it you is know, nice
1: that he divorced his own views from like being like, you know, this is me. This is not Buns. Were, is not yeah, because because it becomes a different situation if it's if it's my view, right? Yeah. It's going to be a different
2: situation if I'm involved, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm very quiet. Right? Well, yeah, I'm not a. Do you I'm feel a, a, it's like it's you, cleaned up, ones. you cleaned up? You
0: cleaned up a bunch of things that maybe were started by people that. I wouldn't say empty. clean.
2: I wouldn't say cleaned up per se, but there were things that maybe he started, and I kind of had to. I wouldn't say finish, but look, nobody wanted to. Really, really wanted to have a problem with me. I guess mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because. I don't know how to. I don't know how to handle that kind of shit. I'm not really good at beef, so I tend to overdo it. Mm-hmm. So people don't really want to go there because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. And besides that, like I love these guys. Right? We had real beef with guys that were really, really good friends of mine. You know, and uh, that kind of was the center of a lot of the beefs. Right? Like a lot of the lines were drawn in the sand for me, mm-hmm. and then I had to ride with my brother. That's just how that is. You know, and it's just always weird when that shit is going on. You know, yeah. When well, in sure. The middle of that shit.
0: Well, okay. So when something like Fifty and and Ja Rule happens, who was
2: a big fan of everything, by the way, was like, called me and was like, "Yo, tell Pimp, don't, don't stop, please." Like he's <laughs> he's, he's killing it right now. Just that's pretty him, awesome. Um, I was like, please stop. Fifty. <laughs> like, not, like not now.
0: But like so, Fifty and Ja go after each other, right? And then that sort of that goes into that that next wave where Jada Kiss. Or Fat Joe become involved on a very like sort of outsider yeah. position. Yeah. Do you understand that thinking from from fifty side? Are you like okay, like if 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 someone goes at him, whoever's attached to him gets it as well. Yeah. Like black and white. Yeah. No. Right? That's
2: when, when you're when you're thinking like he thinks, and Fifty thinks in terms of war. Yeah. Right? Right. He thinks he it's all strategy. Yeah. It's all strategy for him. So. He has to address it like that, right? It doesn't work if you don't give 100% over to the process, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't work unless you really antagonize these people and take them out of their comfort zone, right? It, and
0: the people attached and yeah. then the people attached to Have them. Have you read Art of War? Who, me? Yeah. I wrote Art of War. Oh, shit. Woo! <laughs> you lived Art of War. I haven't
2: had a record deal in four years. Mm-hmm. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, but it's you know I've been very very smart and calculated about this stuff because Chad was all emotion, right? He was all emotion, so I had to be all logic. I yeah. had to be in order for the shit to balance out. Because if, and that's why I say I I had to, I couldn't get involved because if I get involved, then it's all emotion, right? And we're all out. And then if they touch my brother, then we're really all out. So, yeah. And I mean, some of these things got you know some of these things got way deeper than people even knew about because. Certain at a certain point, there's nothing to talk about. Like we're it's we're on. Yeah. It's on yeah. out here in these streets. It's a very real thing, and you have to worry about family and sh- like how does my wife move around? How does my kids move around? Because you don't really know how people, what people will go to. Yeah, wait that late soon. in
1: the game, people were coming at you. Like I yeah. wouldn't say late in the game. No, nah, I mean, but like I mean, when you had like family and stuff.
2: Well, I've had family my whole. You know, I've always had. Oh, true. Family. Yeah. I'm old, dude. I've been here. I'm so old, but no. But I mean, it gets. I mean, for me, I, I never plan that way, and I don't know if other guys plan that way. But these, this is how you have to move in these situations, right? You can't. You just have to prepare these things, these kind of ways. So everything changes the whole the whole way we carry our lives and everything. For me, for me anyway, I take this type of shit very serious. And people say they want to hurt me or my family or anybody that I love. And I just all that Kiki Kiki uncle bun shit shuts down and it's like all right this is how we move and this is what's up and if you don't know him touch him yeah it's just that simple you
1: don't know who it is they, they get within it just touch him fuck that yeah so ugk starts up originally pimp c and um big mitch yeah Big um, smoking mitch yes and so big smoking mitch ends up on your second album i think uh rapping what song is um might have been is it this is that is it Super Chat Yeah, I think it is Super Chat. And then you had your own uh duo.
2: Might have been a little later. Yeah, I had um, a duo with my guy Jalon.
1: Yeah. And so I know you're f- still friends with um I'm still friends with everybody. Yeah, yeah, but I meant on Facebook I see you're friends with Big Smoke and Mitch. Um I did my That's research. Funny. Yeah. That's funny. Um but I was wondering what happened to Jalon. Jelan's still around.
2: Um uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's back in Port Arthur. I just missed. I uh, just missed him. I went out there. I was looking for him at the reunion. We have a big like town reunion. We have like schools that don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. High schools that don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So their class reunions all coincide with the new. So when so everybody just kinds of get together in one fucking park and. So it's like class of 60 to 80 from this school and then 80 to 2000 of that school and all these fucking different things. And so that's where you go if you want to see people that you haven't seen from Port Arthur in a while. But I had to go at a certain time and come back at a certain time because I had a show. So I didn't catch him that
0: time. But he's still there. I
2: saw his little brother.
0: Like, Do you still have unconditional love for Port Arthur?
2: Without question. Yeah. Uh, my mom's still there. A lot of my family is there. A lot of my mother's side of the family still lives in Port Arthur. And like some of my closest and oldest friends you know, from school and growing up, they're still there. So mm-hmm. I'll go and I see guys and all, but there's always that divide. Like I'm 42 years old. And uh, so there's, you know, the younger kids, they're not as a, they didn't get to see it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their whole thing is like, we want to be a part of it, hmm. you know, cause we weren't here. Mm-hmm. Right? We didn't see it. We were babies. Some of them weren't even born. So there's, there's friction from up and coming artists. they just like, just, you know, just, we want to be a part of what you're doing.
1: And they want like, that cosign.
2: Well, yeah. I mean but they think they're just supposed to get it and everybody's got to earn it. Right. You know what I'm saying? But we got some great talent in Port Arthur, the GP, the whole four or five movement right now, some young kids out of PA, they're doing a great jobs. So I'm, I'm trying to find a way to support it in a real way. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it because you feel you're obligated, then it just, then, more and more obligations will be thrown upon you. So we got to make sure that if we do it, it's in a real way. But I, I want to help these kids. I know how hard it is. But then you can't just give everybody everything. There's got to be some work ethic. They got to they yeah. got to get out there and figure out how to we'll fucking also, scratch mean, like, for it.
1: Um, you know, Eric and I have been with you in Houston. You took us to a, a breakfast, breakfast club, club, which was amazing. But, you know, sitting at a table with you and everybody seemed to think that we were record executives because we're white people <laughs> sure, sitting yeah. with yeah. you Basically. at a table. And so all these people just kept coming up to you and come up to you, coming up to you being like, yo, I, I really appreciate everything you've done, but also here's my mixtape or like, I'm really doing stuff. You should, you know, come. And so yeah. I wonder, is that overwhelming or is that like, how that comes how- with the job, right? That comes with the job, mm-hmm. right? Um,
2: there's really nothing you could do about that. The demo has always existed in hip-hop. Shout out to Premium Pete calling me right now. Um, He's trying to get you on Combat Jack right now. Well, I told him I was coming to rock with y'all, and he was like, he was like, podcast wars." <laughs> like, tell the, tell the brothers is on on site. Yo, Pete's our guy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, especially if you need some J's, Pete's everybody's guy. <laughs> yeah, it comes with a the job. There's, I mean, there's nothing you could really do. I mean, there's things you could do about it, right? Like, people always want to. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Well, here's the thing, right? people always want pictures. People want autographs. People want to ask a question. People want basically a moment of your time and they want to invade your personal space. And they always start with, I don't want to be that guy right. or I don't want to come off on some groupie shit. Or I know you're chilling right now and probably don't want to be bothered. And all that shit comes with a, butt. yeah, you know, and you know, like if, as long as I'm not eating with my family, right. I, I'm, I'm good, you know, to talk to people about that. But, like, I'm, I tell these guys all the time, like, like, I'll give you a great story. I went to um, Atlanta for Music Midtown uh, Music Festival a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, on the way to the, inside the festival, um, there's some kids out front. They're selling water. Like, when you go to a lot of these things, there's always somebody selling water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they, I was, but I'm staying at the hotel right by the entrance. I'm going across the street to get something to eat. And they see me, and they're like, yo, Bumby, Bambi, we're, we're artists, you know. Um you know, what's up? You know, I'm like, so I look at him. I'm like, so you came to the front doors of one of the biggest music festivals in America and you brought water, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so you got to make a decision whether you want to be rich or you want to be famous, Mm. right? right? Because you're out here to get money and I get that, but you're not out here to get money with what you're trying to tell me is your dream. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out what you want right if you want you either want money or you want to be known exactly did you want water i didn't want water (laughs) i tend to stay very hydrated
1: Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs)
2: cheers yeah can we talk about atlanta
0: a little bit sure when was the first time you met outcast Mm, that's a good question i want
2: to say at southern university there was a homecoming show. Mm-hmm. Were they selling water? <laughs> no, no. But it was funny. Andre had a pack of incense in his back pocket. Of I'll course. never forget I mean, that. Of course. Like the... What, they, what were they called? Like the cone sticks? Is that what they were called? The gold shit. I don't know. You guys, in, you guys don't, you guys don't yep. smoke weed, right? <laughs> why did I even bring it? <laughs> I brought like more weed than a little bit <laughs> for no reason. But um, so they were there and they went on right before we did and so we talked to them in the little in-between time between their set and our set and while we're talking they come up and they say um you guys are next here's the mics oh yeah it's clean show you can't curse (laughs) and so we got on stage and we lasted about 60 seconds (laughs) and they pulled the plug and they called i mean but we literally got up there and this is in the first, the early years of, of UGK, and it's, so we were starting the song, the shows with Cocaine in the Back of the Ride. Mm-hmm. So the first lines are like, pimpsy bitch, so what the fuck is up? <laughs> mm-hmm. And we literally walk out there, and he's saying that line, I swear to God. I saw an eight-year-old kid, had couldn't have been more uh-huh. than eight, and just <laughs> the eyes opening and the mouth dropping. <laughs> and you can tell the whole fucking front two rows are booster. Oh. Uh-huh. It's the 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 entire, everything from two rows back all looked the
0: same. Yeah. And then the first two rows looked the same, but neither one of them looked alike. This is and, the last time that UGK ever went on the campus of Southern. Absolutely. <laughs> I've driven
2: by many times in the city of Baton Rouge, but there's a big sign out front
0: You're with my face man,
2: really. on it. I might as well have shoplifted because I'm not allowed inside the university anymore.
1: Timothy taught that eight-year-old kid about life. I Basically,
0: I would love to know where that kid is now. So probably Bobby Jones Did you did you know, <laughs> <laughs> did you know uh, uh, Outcast music? Yes. No. No. We so were- how did, I mean? How does that like get across down to Texas? Well, I mean, just music in general.
2: You know what I'm saying? I mean, they started out talking about players' ball and yeah. shit like yeah. that, and mm-hmm. riding Cadillacs. I mean, you had me at balls, balls, yeah. but. <laughs> But no, I mean, I, the funny thing used to be that everybody thought we all already knew each other. Mm-hmm. Like Everywhere I would go, people would be like, yo, what ball, what's A-Ball and MJG up to? I, like, I have no idea. <laughs> they were like, actually, the out of all the Southern rap groups, like 3-6 Mafia, yeah. Outkast, they were the last ones we met. Like, for some reason, UGK and A-Ball and MJG both dropped in 92. Right. Probably didn't meet till 97. Never crossed paths? Never booked at the same show. Wow. Never at the same place at the same time. Were you ever in Memphis? Ever. Yeah, but they were never there. That like I would convenient. See, I would see Gangster Pad, I would see Skinny Pimp, mm-hmm. I see Paul and Juicy, I would see everybody. Never saw them because they were on the road like we were. Yeah, so, just opposite. Yeah, I mean it was literally like we were going to city, and either they were there next weekend or they had just left. Mm-hmm. It was like and for years. That's nuts. For years, and then finally, I don't even. I can't remember where we met, but it was like, <laughs> Fine, because we, we're. That's so you, weird. There's an argument, right, as to how akin UGK and A-Ball MJG are. Okay. Despite the fact that they right. don't produce.
1: Two of them, two of you,
2: yep. The only difference is they don't produce, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. with that, we're probably closer akin and to like a – I always fashioned us UGK as like an EPMD. Okay.
0: okay, yeah.
2: I've always kind of seen us like an EPMD kind of, kind of group, you know? Did either of you jump out of a window? I jumped out of a wind I jumped off of a balcony into a pool before.
1: Did you really? Yeah. On some like almost famous shit,
2: like on some almost dead shit.
1: <laughs> oh, so like more like the Simpsons where Bart like misses the pool. No, nah,
2: um I made it in the pool, but mm-hmm. like I was it did not seem like I was going to mm-hmm. for a second it looked like the knees were going to just all concrete, just yeah. all concrete. But by you the made grace it. of God. By the grace of God. <laughs> I'll tell you guys about God later. <laughs> but when, no, Atlanta was Atlanta was great. I, um, I actually lived in Atlanta previously, or well, prior to the Olympics, so I remember old Atlanta, mm-hmm, yeah, as as opposed to New Atlanta. Sure, and now and there's
0: a newer Atlanta. Now the Braves are moving into the it suburbs, is the newest Atlanta you could possibly new see. new even. Yeah. But, but
1: so Pimp C was living in in Atlanta too, around like '96 or so, right? Well, I, I
2: moved in Atlanta in '95, mm-hmm. and then I came back, and then Pimp moved up. Maybe around ninety-seven, okay, or so ninety-eight, because we're in Atlanta during Dirty Money time, Big mm-hmm. Pimping and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You
1: were there for Freaknik,
2: yeah. I, I, yes, I lived in Atlanta. <laughs> Someone who looked like Freaknik. you was there
1: for Freaknik. Yeah, <laughs> it was
2: Freaknik was so it like I've been to. a have been to Black Bike Weekend. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, Howard University. I've been to all the the weekends, right? Yep. Nothing was ever like Freaknik. I remember I'm standing on the corner in front of the hotel in downtown Atlanta. And I see a van pulling up to the corner. And the doors open on the van. And they, two dudes get out. And they put two chicks on top of the van. And they say if you throw enough money, the chicks will get naked. So guys just start throwing money like in the street. It's like two thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> chicks get naked, dance on top of the van. They get the money. They put the money in the van. They put the chicks in the van, and they drive to the next corner. <laughs> and he's and it's because it's just stop dead, stop traffic. Yeah. And so these guys just went corner to corner with a mobile strip show. Was the was the van wrapped? Never been duped. Nope. That shit was like a fucking <laughs> white fucking dropping off carpeting van. <laughs> Never been duplicated. Mobile Strip Club. Did you see any eight-year-olds on the corner? (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) See, even he got tipped When was the first time you met? I told you they're actually funny. When (laughs) was Not just funny looking. When was
0: (laughs) was the first time you met Tip?
2: I met Tip. um, I just remember Tip coming up to me and saying, Big homie, I got a studio with my girl. Me and my girl got a studio. And if you ever need to lay some shit, let me know. This was during um, the... um, the the trap was the trap music mixtapes not the I'm trap serious? music
1: album. huh I'm serious no this is
2: after I'm serious mm-hmm. he was doing like he was doing mixtapes for a while yeah yeah, yeah. and it, he and Tiny had just gotten together and because mm-hmm. Tiny had the studio with her and Candy with Shakespeare from all the songwriting and shit that yeah. they were doing so he was like anytime you're up here let me know but I remember um we did the our first I guess real sitting and talking would have been the reaction remix mm. and the whole, for killing Mike, yeah, yeah, and the whole point of them was like, you you're not gonna out rap me, <laughs> and guys, that's what guys love to come and tell me, like, you know, <laughs> I know you be killing motherfuckers <laughs> on this record, OG, but you're not finna, you're not finna get me, and then I get on there and I, and I get them. Like, well, you, you can't win with me because you're either gonna underestimate or overestimate innate greatness. Um,
0: so goodness, I, there's no. probably not a, well, sorry. Um, <laughs> this, this probably sorry for not overstating it. <laughs> there's probably not a definitive way that you that you record every time, but if you're if you have your chance, are you looking to record first or last if there's, like, let's say three clean up.
2: people? I bet clean up.
0: Oh, all right. So T.I. offers you an opportunity to record at his place. Did you Did you see sort of the heights that he would hit?
2: I just knew that this dude was very persistent. I remember seeing that before, right? I remember when Pimp First was – when we were, like, trying to decide what we wanted to do. I knew he was going to make a record, right? I wasn't sure about me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I knew that guy, yep. Pimp, was going to make a record. Right. So I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to stand next to you forever. Hmm. And I'll just be there when that shit happens. Right. I didn't really, I underestimated my contribution, sure. what my contribution would be at the time. But that's how I felt about Tip. I was like, you put that album out. Like, we know you can rap. We put that album out, did a single with Beanie Man. That was not the way to go at all but you can wrap your ass off. And if and you're not finna quit, right? Like, there's no quit that I saw in him. So eventually, he's gonna work this shit out. Mm-hmm. And the mixtapes is where they work that shit out. Yeah. And then trap music was like the culmination of actually really finding that voice in his place. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, he's always talked like that. <laughs> I will say that he has always talked like that. Has he always
1: it, danced like that?
2: Like he didn't the, dance. The old man. He dances? didn't dance previously, yeah. but then when he started dancing, probably around when Roscoe, little Roscoe, started coming around, he felt more comfortable about it. <laughs> and uh, it's just awkward to see grown men dance <laughs> for me by themselves, right? <laughs> like just in the middle of a stage, right? Sure. Just like by themselves with no real motivation other than dance, dog, just dance. <laughs> but that should be live if you dance right now. And uh, so, yeah, says the you
1: know. guy who danced with Solange Knowles.
0: No, but once again, it's not. It's <laughs> not I just wasn't
2: by myself. By that was a choreographed routine. We were in King's Flea Market. They closed the flea market down for the day. Mm-hmm. And we're, it's me, Solange and Manny Fresh in a flea market.
0: What? I don't know Manny was there.
2: Manny's in a video, too. Manny. I don't remember. Him, I don't remember. Yeah.
0: That. yeah. I I think See, it you know
2: what? No. And Manny danced, too, but the Manny's not. Manny's is cut. (laughs) Oh man! So Manny, yeah, Manny danced too. (laughs) So that was the whole. The whole thing was was supposed to be like a dream, right? Mm, Like this flea market dream ghetto sequence or whatever ghetto dream sequence, excuse me. And so, yeah, that's what it was. It was just me by the rims, like doing a two step. (laughs) Yeah. And Manny was behind a jury case. So if you go back and look at that video, Manny Fresh is behind a jury case. (laughs) But there was a part where he was supposed to come out and dance and stuff. Can Manny dance? (laughs) could dance. Manny's from New Orleans. Manny's old school. Like mm-hmm. Manny's an old school party guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from those days when the the DJ wasn't just a just a, like Manny comes from a generation where the DJ was the DJ and the hype man, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's how a lot of New Orleans parties roll. Like you know, the DJ has to be a little bit now. Dude so is so so, <laughs> and he's kind of doing it too, right? So, but Manny's like Manny's like a very very fun human being to be around. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean he really. He is one of the most genuine people I know. Um, Manny has never put on a mask in front of me for any reason. He's always been as transparent as he could be, and I just love him for it. That's awesome. And he's always had the best polos. Like (laughs) To say he wasn't from Brooklyn, you know? And and he didn't hang out with mayhem and all those yeah, guys. Yeah, so yeah. He's yeah. His polo has just been awesome to watch. All Maddie USPA, <laughs> <laughs> all of it. Y'all kill me with that USPA yeah. shit, yeah. <laughs> That's a knife in the gut every time y'all say that shit. Um, I remember those days. I I oh, wore USPA no. and um, and I I did not have the best upbringing. I had USPA and payless shoes and. All of that kind wow. of stuff. Um, yeah. How well do you and now know... now I get free crooks. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All that shit. I um, bodied it. <laughs> how well
0: How well do you know uh, Young Dro? Young, I know Young Dro very well. Yeah. Like, so he came up here, um, and he's, first of all, a great guy, and told us that he spent how much? Five million. Five million on polo. Five million dollars on polo. Like, that is a true... A true... Yeah, I feel like at a certain point, you've got to get a sponsorship. Yeah. Like... <laughs>
2: no it's not even on the radar oh not even on the radar if i'm talking about with ralph lauren you you wouldn't be on the radar for that spending five million doesn't matter to ralph rather you don't
0: even (laughs) register
2: but i totally believe that yeah i totally believe that i believe also that young joe probably owns more orange than any other black man in america (laughs) i mean i'm sure at one point we all wore orange (laughs) but not like young (laughs) joe
1: I never, wore, never. I never yeah. wore an
2: orange polo hat with an orange polo shirt <laughs> with some orange polo shorts mm-hmm. with some orange polo socks no, with white shoes.
0: He's <laughs> he owns orange. That's
2: it. That's it. That's his color.
0: Um, Cam's got pink. He's got orange. That's, yeah. And J- Jay Z's got blue. <laughs> yeah, Jay Z blue. Can you talk about uh, another supremely confident person and whether you saw the heights he would go to, Kanye West? So many, many
2: years ago. I recorded with a group called Zarnok, C-Z-A-R-N-O-K.
0: What? Are they from America? Yes, (laughs) yes, they are.
2: Uh, There's a whole thing about that. You you just got to Google the group. Mm -hmm. But I recorded a song with them called I Would Never Tell. And they were like, yo, the kid that did this song is crazy. He's got some amazing music. Um, If you want one of these tracks... Like, I'll, like, you should just, I, I will give you one because this dude is so dope. Zarnak was your connect. And I was like, I'll listen to it, but I was like, I'm good on Because it was really, it, we're trying to parlay it into a, instead of paying you X amount of dollars for this verse,
3: right. mm-hmm.
2: we'll give you one half X <laughs> plus various beats from unknown artists who they're telling me in this room, this dude is going to be this shit. This dude is like really good and I'm like yeah okay whatever I'm gonna need that money <laughs> worst mistake I ever made in my life
0: this is the whole water versus you know and if
2: you go I, matter of fact we're gonna google this right now live on the show just so you guys can hear and the minute this song comes on you're gonna be like
3: duh <laughs> locked down in the house I will never tell don't tell on me Kanye
2: Yeah, yo, that we still be moving it out in bills for 24 7 sales. And I ain't never spoke on all these broads that i done broke. we we'll be walking this stroke, with this stroke in a pay per view, poke, And I never speak on how we make these beans keep for leaders a league. eight days a week It's same man a feet freak. And I never told about the work that we sold. But you know the way that made for Rick no pole. Now that's cold. See me chat about this matter. Say, dog, what's the matter with you? We climbing up the ladder, baby. Check your daddy. i never been quoted on how to. up about how we be shopping up and at every black event my bop and bros keep popping up the conversation running the nation food but all this rules of world don't believe me as it is that shit girl food this 100% for vanilla swirl food but yo we never speak o realness we keep it pi to we see ya it's you see can't phone life but said there's no life so what's your life food but anyway yeah that's so i met I, that was the first time hearing of Kanye, yeah, we through that, and then seeing him again through Rockefeller, mm-hmm. and then uh,
0: well, did it hit you at a certain time when you saw him in like the um, I mean, just any of the videos? Oh, that guy, like I I know the name. It took
2: me a while to um to put it all together that he was the guy yeah. from that beat. Yeah, it, it probably took till maybe eight oh eight, and then I saw one of those guys, and they was <laughs> like, man, Kanye, right? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, the dude that did the song for I was like, Kanye West did the song that we did together. It was like, that's the dude who beats we was trying to give you. Oh. Chin on floor. Yeah.
1: You met the guys from Sarnak. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. You love that name, don't you? I I that is the opposite of love. Very uh, easily <laughs> Googleable. <laughs> yeah, that's a you know, their SEO game is crazy. <laughs> Do you um, know the origin of I don't want to talk about Zarnock too much but like I don't I want this I don't want this podcast to be all about Zarnock mm-hmm. but um do you know the origin of their name? I know they were
2: very heavy on pimping at that time like a lot of what they were talking about was pimping so I would have to say maybe it was some space age pimping. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Like it I'm, sounds like got, that that's <laughs> as far that's that's as far as I can bring logic into the name of that group yeah, at yeah. that point. But they were good though. I actually liked the group. I thought they would have done better.
0: And that's cool. And then when you first met Kanye, um, did you did you have any idea that he would become anything close to what he's become? As in like No, no, not until He told you? <laughs> not until I think maybe champions.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then when I heard him on Champions, I'm like, Oh wait! So this dude can rap too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was like, Okay, this could be a problem. Well, what do you think when when uh, College Dropout came out?
2: I thought it was incredible. Right. I really, really thought it was incredible. Um, I thought this kid with this backpack mm-hmm. is finna, like fuck over a lot of dudes, right? Like he, and the fact that he was able to create an identity in. In that
0: room oh my god right with all
2: those i mean if you look mm-hmm. at the the state property personalities and the dipset personalities yep. right to be able to craft an identity of his own in that room was a- amazing to watch and i still think me personally college dropout is the best album i mean there's an argument for 808 if you've ever had your heart broken then sure. 808 and heartbreak
0: my my dark beautiful fantasy i
2: didn't it didn't resonate with me like that really yeah i mean i like power yep I I still like power like that's a that's my treadmill song yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but um I thought I thought the visuals attached to that album and the way he tried to present the music was because that was when it was just him with the MP right, right. on stage right mm, yeah I thought that was bold sure I yeah. thought that was really bold and that's kind of when the 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 stage dynamic of of Kanye started to shift and he went from being just a musician and a performer to an entertainer yeah and. Like I was just talking to him about, like nobody could have done the Hollywood Bowl, right, right, like that, right? To bring that level of production in, and, and as much as people may have issues with Kanye and maybe as a person and maybe with some of his personal choices, as an artist for hip hop culture and music culture in general, he's absolutely necessary. Most transformative absolute, artists, absolutely of this generation. necessary. And I think it's just so hard for people to embrace it because of how abrasive he can be sometimes right Mm -hmm. it's you know and i think people have to be quite frank such a strong opinion of kim Mm. that it makes it even harder for them to swallow that pill than take into it the way he's i mean but for him to just get up there and question taylor swift like that (laughs) was just it's amazing right yeah and it wasn't a gimmick right he really really felt that way and it's one thing to get up there and say, God damn it, I was better. This should have been my award. But to get up there and be like, this was her award. Yeah. And and her is like, I didn't say, <laughs> I had no pro- No, that's bullshit. Your shit was better and you know it. Mm-hmm. Like, not now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's bold in itself, right? To get on stage and stand up for someone else. Right. He doesn't really get credit for that. It was just like, how could you do that to that girl? And I understand taking the shine away from that moment, but. How many people really, really have the heart and the passion to say what the fuck they feel when they feel like saying it? You can love it or hate it, but you have to respect somebody that's going to live in their opinion. Totally. You got to.
0: And look, 10 years past, everyone looks at George Bush doesn't like black people in a totally different way. One hundred Absolutely. At
2: first, it seemed like an arrogant statement. It seemed out of place. It seemed insensitive. Based on what was going on, and now everybody looks back like I'm glad he said. If he hadn't said it, no one had would ever have said it, and we probably would have let a lot of shit slide. Right. So in retrospect, and it's always like that, right? Like people used to think pimp was crazy about stuff. Like it's not, it's not enough substance in this music. It's about to go in a different direction if we don't be careful. And these things are starting to take form. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. it's passion, man. You have to respect people's passion because. There there aren't many people who really, really give a fuck about what they say they give a fuck about, right? It's easy to say it, but nobody acts, right? And it's good to just see somebody that's willing to stand by what the fuck they said, even if they knew it, they were batshit crazy saying it. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, like Pip used to always say, I'm not going to apologize for what I said, but I'll apologize if it offended you the way I said it. I'm not gonna take back what I said because that's how I feel. But if I offended you by saying that that mm. way, I'm sorry. But yeah. I'm not finna. I'm not going back on it. I'm not gonna bite my tongue. Right. You gotta respect that, man. People compromise themselves all the time.
1: When was the first time you met Lil Wayne, and how old was he? Um, or well, actually, I- how old did he say he was? Well, I remember.
2: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. The, I, before I I saw him, I heard him. He, Lil Wayne used to call into the Cash Money record company offices and freestyle on the voicemail like just rap <laughs> yeah. on the voicemail yeah. and um eventually started to talk to his mom and was like this kid's talented but we don't want to do nothing without you being involved and it was just funny for when he first came in and like his first day were the bgs it was him and bg were the bgs and for years he wouldn't curse right if you go through all those high boy records Lil Wayne doesn't curse. Well, cuz his mom wouldn't let him. No, so he, and so but then when he turns 18, <laughs> just goes ape shit and it's just so much cursing involved. I remember baby was like, I remember when baby sat in the studio and he's like, I want this kid to be great. I think this kid has the potential to be great. What do I do in order for him to achieve that greatness? Yeah. I, and I told him point blank, you have to make his life revolve around the studio. Hmm. Whatever it is he wants to indulge in, he has to indulge in it at the studio, right? If he wants girls, bring him to the studio. If he's old enough now, if he wants weed, he wants liquor, bring but him studio. to the studio, right? So that when he leaves the studio, he feels funny. He feels foreign. He feels out of place. And the only place that he feels comfortable is in the studio. So, all right, so you wow, saw that's
1: a- like super manipulative, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's like... But I mean, like, but, that's, but that's, that's how you... Pavlovian. That's That's <laughs> like... <laughs> Every so, time you like, you know, go to the studio, you get a girl. It's like,
2: <laughs> I fuck around and get Spengali sometimes. Yeah, but, you know.
0: Jesus. And look what look what happened. So, <laughs> so you saw the breakup of Manny and Baby, mm-hmm. and now years later, you. I watch
2: every split. Yeah. I watch every split within Cash Money. I yeah. watch every split in hip hop. Sure, you but, know,
0: but like being there and and certainly at the beginning of Manny and Baby and And at the beginning of of Wayne and Baby, how does that make you feel just as a as a friend, as a fan as a as a person who understands this culture when when those business relationships take over for what is really an emotional art
2: yeah i mean it it gets like I said, you don't want to work for your friends, you know because when business goes sour, the friendship goes sour, right and if I'm your friend and I'm married and you're married, our wives are friends. If you got kids and I got kids, our kids are friends. Right. You know, we see each other on, we, most artists work in the holiday season and, you know, so we're on the road. If it's Thanksgiving and there's a show, we got to all-eat Thanksgiving dinner. It gets very, very deep, right? So it, it it's rough. I mean, it's rougher for them. For me, I'm on the outside looking in. I'm like, that's fucked up, but it's it's rougher for them because I'm still friends with everybody, so I see the toll that it takes on everybody involved, you know, like It hurt, Manny. You know, and it hurt. It hurt, baby, on a certain level. It was just, you know, how do we work this shit out so that we're all cool? And I always tell people, you know, as you just keep it internal as long as possible, right? Because if you look at every split that ever happened in hip hop, they all reconcile at some point, right? Right. And it's always the regret is that I wish it would. I would. We would have kept this between us. I wish that I wouldn't have did that i wouldn't have done that interview i i wish you wouldn't have made that song you know we we should have been more growing about it right when i have a certain quality of life that i worked to achieve and i'm you know i put in the work that deems me being paid a certain amount of money and i don't get paid that amount of money especially by people who assured me you know outside of this ain't just business it's you know and sometimes right There's things that happen under the table that everybody doesn't know about with Mm -hmm. record companies. Somebody needs to get a cousin out of jail. Somebody needs taxes paid. There's there's some CEOs that go far beyond their obligation, Mm -hmm. right? I know Jay Prince has done it Mm -hmm. for his artists, Mm -hmm. right? I know that Mm D&Y have done it for their artists. I know that JD did it for – everybody does it for their artists, you know what I'm saying? So that becomes a very – but it doesn't – it's not in writing, right and so that becomes a slippery slope right and it's hard to introduce sometimes that kind of shit into a court of law because they know telling where that money came from sometimes that brown bag money Mm -hmm. puts us both on blast with the irs so that shit's a that shit's a whole slippery slope so it's just and it's like i said it's really hard to watch that stuff happen i'm i was very lucky that you know we only had a two-man group and that we didn't get into it to get rich we got into it to make music and. Money never became an issue for me and Pimp, even though Pimp, if UGK did a song, Pimp owned 75% of it hmm. because he's doing the beat, so that's 50, yep. and then he's rapping on half of it with me, so that's 25%. Yep. But it was never an issue for us. He put he was doing more work. He's supposed to get more fucking money. Yeah. I'm not sitting in the studio. I go to the studio, lay my verse 45 minutes. I'm gone. They got to sit there, track that shit out. <laughs> Listen to the snare for five fucking hours. (laughs) Listen to the bass line for five fucking hours. Did you ever come
1: in and be like, I don't like that hi-hat?
2: Never. (laughs) That's the
1: one thing we never did is
2: argue in the studio. I knew my place. Mm -hmm. As far as the music goes, I defer 100% to you. Just tell me where the fuck I... I would literally be sleep. Like murder, I would sleep before I laid murder. I would sleep under the board (laughs) in the studio because they were tracking it out and it was like we were... Ryan Dirty was one of the first hip-hop albums recorded in Pro Tools. I don't think a lot of people know that. I don't know. A lot of people don't know that. Ryan Dirty was one of the first albums completely recorded in Pro Tools. And everybody was getting new to it. So it's like us, it's in Ojo, it's Mike Dean, yeah, yeah. it's this guy Skip. All of these different creative minds trying to figure out how to apply this technology to rap music. Yeah. You know. Um, so I'm asleep. They're sitting there and then they wake me up. It's like it's time to rap and I get up. You know, I go in, I do, do my three takes. I go back to sleep. I have shit to do, but meanwhile he's there living with this record, listening to it two hundred fucking times before we even turned it into the record company. He's supposed to get more money like that. So it was never we didn't like the same kind of women. Mm. We didn't live the same kind of lifestyles. Um so we never had any any problems. Mm-hmm. We were literally the back and the front of a yeah. hand.
1: Yeah. Um I feel like you and Pimp had the same sort of recording relationship as Eric and I have, by the way.
2: <laughs> I think so.
0: Well I mean we recorded in the house. Oh no, I meant that like I sleep. Oh yeah. yeah. That's actually true, yeah. Yeah. Um I'm, I'm very much yeah with Mayo as we make the beats. I would have I would have pegged him as the sleeper actually. <laughs> what?
1: Yes. <laughs> That's very generous of you. I, I would think. have pegged or, him as the yeah. sleeper. No, yeah, no. Um Eric is the hard Cuz you're the right tall now. one so
2: it seems like you would be the athletic one <laughs> outside, you know, dunking Hold on, on. Just, just out like, here in
1: Harlem no. dunking on motherfuckers, yeah, right? You're just like outright lying. <laughs>
0: No, but see, Bun knows who to call when he needs to like get something taken care of. Yeah, he calls you. That's right, yeah. yeah. This
2: is very, very fucking true. Um, <laughs>
0: uh, when we went down to Houston for the Girls with Dirty South's music video, um, we shot it, I don't remember the name of the town, but it's right by um, where Mike Dean lived.
2: Yeah, yeah, we were literally right maybe a half a mile away from where the majority, well, I won't say the majority, where the, the biggest Rap-A-Lot records were recorded. crazy. Absolutely. Um, it was an amazing thing to go over there and just be able to watch it. Like when I would have to go and do a verse, there was always somebody else like in recording. And yeah. it's like this. So it's like literally two, three different albums being recorded at the same time. So it's like. I got to come in. I got to do my verse for your album. Then I got to do my song for my album. Then the guy that I did the verse with has to come in and record his shit. And and I'm just there wisely because all I'm doing is featuring. I'm not a rap loud artist at this right, time. Right. So I'm just there. And then meanwhile, the dog's eating through the wall. Mike, <laughs> Mike was, you know, it was. we were all very young. We were wild. I was smoking fry back then. Mm-hmm. I know Mike was into a lot of different things at the time. Right. So we were very... We were being extremely creative, but also it was a very volatile environment.
0: But okay, so I mean, it, and that's—it's not like you're in Houston; you're 45 minutes out of the way. Yeah, yeah,
2: you're in the sticks, and that kind of shit we were doing that wasn't allowed in the city. No, limits. but your
0: your neighbors aren't like for a while, right? Like, yeah, well, okay. Mike actually lived
2: in a in a neighborhood that was not like he had a Mike had a really nice house. Mike mm-hmm. had a big house for a lot of people, um, but. His neighbors were right there. Like He didn't have like a bunch of land separating them. Really? So yeah, no. And there was literally 24-hour traffic at that house. <laughs> Wait. I
1: never knew when Mike slept. So yeah. there, it was probably when you were sleeping. <laughs> I guess oh. so. When, when we yeah. were asleep, pause. <clears throat> yeah, pause. But okay, so a dog chews through the wall. You can see another house? No, no. You can see another room. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't like chewing to the outside of the house? It's yeah, no, sleep. no, no. He's, like, aggressive he's dogs. like He's like in the den area. Mm-hmm. chewing through the wall
2: like separating like say if you if you got like a den that's connected to the kitchen and maybe mm-hmm. you, you know there's maybe i don't know maybe somewhere where plants sit or vases sit or mm-hmm. somewhere just some this is definitely
0: ch- not a home renovation podcast <laughs> No, no not, i don't know how to phrase that shit at all <laughs> oh a shelf a shelf yeah. yeah but um no and then the
2: fucking dog. every now and then you see the, fuck, the fucking dog scratching <laughs> and shit and, Every now and then, you see, like, kind of like, I'm like, "What is the dog doing?" And then every time you would go, was the dog the hole would get bigger? (laughs) I would not be surprised if that dog got a hold of some shit and licked up something. Or I went to a producer's house who will not be named. Okay, to record a song one night after, um, like, I had never met him before. Super, super guy, really nice guy, Mm Sarzak. Sorry, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) and he's like, "Yo, I like you. I've always liked you as an artist. I'd love to do a song with you. We're going to the house." come to the house if you want to do a record. I'm like, sure, I'll go. And literally was like, you know, give me a pen and pad, and everything I picked up had residue on it, like powder. Sure. Either either coke or a pill. And then when uh, huffing started happening Mm -hmm. in this studio session, (laughs) and then the... God, what is the fucking thing where they put the thing in the thing and they the balloon? Is that no, no the aerosol?
0: Oh,
1: oh, they were doing that. Uh, That's like a, a whippets.
0: Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That shit.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's like
2: and I tried to give the song back. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, I don't want a part of this. I, and then the to be fair, the they had girls and the girls, if they were legal. Maybe it had to have been their birthday. If they were 18, they just turned 18 that Did you wish them a
1: happy birthday? No, no, no.
2: I wish them a happy, get the hell out of my way. I'm on my way out of here. I just really felt like I was in Babylon.
0: Wow. Remember when MTV came down to Houston and were like, hey, Houston's on the map and they're like a real thing now and and they made it a big thing. They went to uh, St. Louis. They went to Oakland. Yeah. yeah. It was the
2: block, right? Yeah, the block. It was the block.
0: So they come down. They found you, you. They found you. How do you feel about that? Because you've been like, hey, this has been my entire life. Like, welcome. <laughs>
2: I, I, I don't I don't knock it because, you know, if, even if, if if I felt a certain way about it, it was still going to benefit the younger guys. Sure. Right? And I didn't want to get in the way of that. I was always of the mind frame that the originators, once people start saying, man, you guys created something, you're an original, I was like, oh, okay, so other people are going to get rich off of this and I won't because right. that's the cycle. Sure, you, right. you
0: see it in life. And Unless I accept- you jump on a Macklemore song in 2015,
2: right. yeah. and I, and so, <laughs> so I accepted that, right? So I didn't have any issues watching guys get rich around me. Okay, right? I was very comfortable in my skin.
0: And well, then on top of that, and there was a time, by the way, where not that I'm not that I'm doing bad or no, anything. No, no of course, you know, I'm, of not
2: de- I'm far from destitute. But. No, but no, but, but it, gave, it gave other
0: people an opportunity where maybe they, it hadn't before, and so. There was there was a time for Paul Wall and Chameleon Air and Slim Thug to really like get out and become more national. Absolutely. Um, why, 10 years later, has there not really been a standout Texas artist in the last 10 years to really go national?
2: Well, because a lot of the artists that came out in that time, uh, they're kind of connected to a sound and a movement. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's connected to Screw, and Screw isn't here anymore. Right. And then the other side of that was that Screw was – screw created something but he didn't set out to create something right and it got very big right but screw was not the guy that wanted to monetize it in that sense so screw could have started a record company and put out little kiki and esg and all these guys but he didn't he didn't want to hold these guys back he didn't want to also didn't want to be the guy that get called four or five in the morning talking about where's my money type shit right so he just let a lot of guys live and he just wanted to to make good music and i think that's Unfortunately, that had a lot to do with it because you had a lot of MCs that had only had direction up to that level, and this crew wasn't really in a position to offer them like music industry advice or mentorship. Hmm. So a lot of those guys they didn't really have anybody to go to to teach them. So once they got to a certain level, like. You look at the Swisher House. All the artists in the Swisher House got bigger than Michael Watts. Yeah, right. So then they're kind of leading the ship at that point. So if it isn't for a G Dash, then a lot of that stuff maybe falls apart even earlier than that. Mm -hmm. You know. So and if it had been a Screw record company that all these guys were signed to, and then Screw passes away, that becomes a big fuck, Mm -hmm. a big bunch of shit. You know. So it's um. It, it you know the same it was a blessing and a curse i mm-hmm. think for a lot of guys ugk actually was able to carve out a musical identity outside of that so we're not beholden to that but i think a lot of guys get stuck in that and then if you're an artist and you don't necessarily carry Music from if you're from Houston, rather, and you're an artist, and your music isn't overtly Houston, mm-hmm. right? Then, then what happens, right? Look at Travis Scott. He's incredibly successful, incredibly talented. He's from Houston, yeah, yeah, yeah. but his music doesn't come off as Houston music. And so he doesn't get associated to Houston at all. I yeah. mean, one of the most popular artists in the world right now is a Houston rapper. No, you're right. right? He's been behind the scenes for the guy that's arguably the most popular rapper of our time right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. He's been extremely, you know, um,
0: the guy who produced for
2: <laughs> No,
1: It's Sarnock. <laughs> he's, he's, he's
2: made considerable contributions <laughs> to it, right? But he, but Houston doesn't get the credit, right. Mm-hmm. right? So that's what happens with that. That's the problem. We still have great talent, but the city of Houston doesn't get the credit for creating the talent if the talent decides not to sound like they're from Houston.
1: Right. Houston got a lot of credit for songs that New York was making. So there's that. That is true. We still do. I mean, look, in the same way that, look, New York started hip hop, so
2: all the hip hop that wasn't from New York carried bits of hip hop, mm-hmm. right? L.A. had their spin, mm-hmm. so then you have regions who look like, or sound like, or maybe feel more like L.A. artists and East Coast artists, and then that music becomes what influences a generation, and then we come and we, we're just we're just another natural part of the cycle, yeah, of, of the hip hop cycle of cont- contributing. So in the same way that. A southern artist in the 80s or the n- early 90s would maybe carry East Coast overtones because of the influence. In 2015, you have East Coast artists or West Coast artists or whatever who carry these southern overtones because of the music that they were influenced mm-hmm, by. Mm-hmm. So it's perfectly natural that at some point an ASAP rocky happens, right? It's perfectly natural that, you know, you have this screwed up sound in music. But it's also, you know, that you have guys like a who is extremely lyrical, yep, mm-hmm. right? That's absolutely East Coast. Well, he says I influence him too, but my <laughs> lyricism is is absolutely East Coast influence, right? EPMD. Because you know, so well.
3: Hmm.
2: I don't. I wouldn't call EPMD lyrical. Okay, I, right. for me, I, I was Laura. I was talking about this last night. I think Laura Finesse was was a big influence on me um, you as were a rapper. Cool G rap. I wanted to be known as a rapper, like I could rap. Good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pimp wanted to be to be known as a player, right? I know how to play this game, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to be the best rapper to get more out of rap than you. I just know how to work this thing, hmm. and I think that kind of worked for us. Yeah, we never wanted the same thing at the same time. So there uh, were times when we were younger. He was all about business. I was a wild dude, smoking from aldehyde and out here starting fights and riding around with sawed off shotguns and shit. And then Big pimping happened. I realized that. There was about to be a shift And There was going to be a lot Yeah It might be time (laughs) to stop smoking formaldehyde and there's real business opportunities and we're about to be in different rooms with different people and i want to make sure i got a clear mind when i walk in these rooms so that we don't misrepresent ourselves and then he went ape shit.
0: but then <laughs> when you walk into those rooms you still bring a sawed off right
2: well yeah eventually like pimp would walk in kinda of, like talk shit curse people out and i'm the guy like up against the wall with the trench coat it's not showing anything but it's obvious i didn't wear a trench coat in June, right? Because I had a because uh, <laughs> I had a day call. A no, call.
1: it was your uh, rosewood movement. You know yeah. it, man.
2: I was all about that back then. We we came very close to to setting loose a hundred rats in jive records. Very very close.
1: Setting loose a hundred rats in jive records.
2: Very close.
1: It's it's almost like. First of all, where would you get a hundred rats? <laughs> You just go into the subway and just be like, "What in New York?" Yeah, I mean, like you you turn left or right. Out, but like, you have to put and of- Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like a very labor-intensive way to get revenge. Yeah. It's
2: actually not as hard to get a hundred rats in New York City on a day's notice. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh sure, sure, sure. Right. As you yeah, would I think. Forgot that there was time involved. Yeah. That's as fine. you
2: would think. But no, nah, I realized that wasn't going to be the way that to work that.
0: When was the last time you heard something that you spit that you were like. Oh, I had totally forgotten about that. Um, that's a good question. I hear shit. Um, just on
2: iTunes the other day, I I just was looking at all, the, see all the music that they had for sale that I was attached to, mm-hmm. and like easily out of the first ten results, the five I had no idea. Really? They even do, because I do a lot of records that never come out. I've done so many records with people that never come out. Well,
0: what's one? Oh, uh,
2: God. Uh, Dirty. Remember Dirty South by Goody Mop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a UGK Dirty South remix that never came out. Who owns that? Them? It's maybe Rico Wade has that somewhere. Wow. But we've done a lot of records. And then it's like, I do a lot of independent records yeah, that, you are, that are, so are funded. Tell some
1: get some, uh, make this go viral. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's funny. That's funny.
2: No, but I do a lot of records with these guys with, you know, questionable funding. Mm-hmm. And then before the shit even comes out, studios get raided, motherfuckers go to jail, songs just end up in fucking so
1: you never get paid that questionable money no i got i got the
2: no i didn't get paid any questionable mm-hmm. money at all well no that's what yeah, i'm supposed to say right, right Charles? Yeah.
0: <laughs> brown bag money <laughs> <Yeah>. but those, <laughs> we don't we don't admit to but there's gotta be money. songs <laughs> there's gotta be songs that show up on on mixtapes too that you're just like oh i remember that happened right well i mean for
2: example um i'm going in right yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah that yeah. was my record
0: how does it end up not your record? It got
2: leaked. Jeezy rapped to it on a freestyle and ended up going on his album.
0: Huh. Do you remember uh, – this is one that comes to The mind. other
2: one, uh, Tell Me, it was really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my record.
0: Drake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I got it. Thank you. Um,
1: but once this, again, how does that happen?
2: Records. Uh, how did that, that There was two versions of it and one got out. I had an alternate version.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, – so that's how it's like, Drake. You got him right. That's how yeah. I end up on that because yeah. there's a version where I'm the next first. And all
1: right, here's
0: here's so that one- was technically the, the time that you guys rap together. Technically, <laughs> yeah. Here's one that I just want to um, throw out there. This is the most. We're random not going to keep it technical, behind. are we? Because I'm not going <laughs> to. This is very technical. This is the most random one I can. Find. I just want to know if you if you remember this. Yeah, yeah. hot, God, right, hot, yeah. you know southern, southern Smoke.
1: I might start rapping along. You know what?
2: I listened to that Drama mixtape. That Drama Legends mixtape. I didn't recognize any of that. Shit. Really? Yes. You
0: have a really good verse on this one.
2: Hot right hotter You could just call me the hot man. Don't need front like hot ain't hot
0: man. You ever heard I'll get to your verse. Real quick, it has you, uh, Webby, um, Hot um, right. Uh, Paul Wall might be on this too. Oh, my God. But
2: we'll get to your verse. You it out? Oh, yeah, sorry, I have no idea what I said. No no I have no idea what I am going to make me laugh, and I don't even feel like a King of the underground ain't another nigga thrill like it. Hold up the horse. No frame of the plastic, because I believe you punch drunk like a bit of plastic. You violate, man, crossing the line. Bust up with the beretta, then I'm tossing the nine. You can play with your kids, play with your wife, play with you, GK, and then you can play with your life. Back down And take when I pop niggas There ain't no room to negotiate You getting dropped nigga Call your roll get your bitch ass Stop nigga Your bottom and out I see you at the top nigga My man up bitch You said you was a G But you won't make a fit but You're shaking at the knee Free pimp to the seat okay, okay. like a Oh that a was that time friend. Okay. Okay. Back then I would just see I said free pimp C on it So that's I was just black out rapping back then Yeah I was like rapping on anything At that point Like whatever
1: You rapping on a Hot Right track?
0: I had to. Mm-hmm. I had to say free Pim C. Didn't just we meet just DJ at small any somewhere? Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like at SOBs or something like that. Yeah. Really short guy.
1: Really short Really, Really
2: short. The most accurate name in hip hop.
1: Um now he's like basically very persistent. He's too. doing um very uh, videos. persistent. <laughs> yeah. Really? He's doing videos like um uh like DJ Vlad. Like he do really. like interviews with like people.
2: It's amazing to watch guys that you would literally be like, Oh, this guy's got great work as, but he's never gonna
3: make it, <laughs>
2: right? You sit there and watch Smalls like, you know, I, I cut for him, I did mixtapes, work with him, everything. I was like, man, I just, I don't think people are gonna get it. And that fucker's still here, outlasted pretty much everybody else. Yeah. It's just, it's him, drama, and Vlad now really like on that trying to go out to that level. Like, drama's the voice for radio in Houston, yeah. Like basically the radio f- voice for all I Heart Radio shit now, right? I well, thought Debbie Depp was. No, no, no. <laughs> Just for the hair commercials and
3: insurance.
2: <laughs> I've been hearing Angela, Angela Yee in Houston on radio for no fucking reason. Hey, like, yeah, all Breakfast Club. For the hair doing, shops. Uh, from, oh, no, not at all. They do uh, local yeah. commercials? They do local. Have you
0: done any good local commercials?
2: I don't. I don't get that kind of work. It usually goes to the Breakfast Club or JJ Watt. J. So I don't get that kind but of work. But did it's have coming. A,
0: you had like
1: Buns Minute or whatever. Well, At yeah, Buns uh, beat. Un, I did yes. the.
2: I had the toothpaste commercial.
1: You had the toothpaste commercial. Yes. What is the toothpaste commercial?
2: I did a Rembrandt toothpaste toothpaste commercial. I, maybe I swear. I mean, you do have a nice smile, but like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this
0: nine out of ten dentists. This isn't or a video podcast. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck
2: am I cheesy? But no, yeah, there's a Rembrandt. It's a, it's a viral video. And it's me. Oh,
0: I do. Yeah, this is recent. Yeah, it's
2: yeah. me. It's uh, Kristen, the uh, Asian girl, the chef. She's got like a new show. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, um, From Top Chef. Right. And um, the girl, I think her name is so Sanaa. I can't remember her name. Sanaa Lathan. No, no, no. <laughs> not, not not the rapper, girl. The, um, she's She's the highest ranked woman in Marvel. I think she uh, did Captain Marvel too as oh, well. But yeah, uh, we, Berry. We all have <laughs> Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> we all have great smiles. So, <laughs> that's what the whole So that's what it was about. They actually paid me a couple of grand to talk about how I have a great smile.
0: That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Chicken was actually pretty good. Oh, thank you. Um
2: I'm not going to say couscous was good. It's, it's, all right. there's just a pause in there. <laughs> <so much. laughs>
0: um that was some good couscous. What a- uh <laughs> Can you talk about your relationship with J.J. Watt? He seems like a good guy, right? So J.J. Watt had a Nike contract
2: prior to the Reebok contract he has now. Yeah. So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, I can't wait to buy these fucking shoes you got. He was like, don't buy them. I'm going to get you a pair. Don't worry about it. So maybe a month later, I'm sitting in my house, literally T-shirt, underwear, doorbell rings. I go up, look out the window. It's J.J. (laughs) Watt. I go back. I put on some shorts. I'm totally caught off guard. Open the door And we're talking He's got the shoes Like I told you I was We lived in the same neighborhood So yeah. we knew where we, He started to live So we're sitting there talking My dog Runs out the door I f- totally forgot The dog's out Walking around the house I got left the door open We're talking Dog runs out the front door Guy hands me the shoes Says hold this he Jumps in his truck Drives down the street Jumps out the truck Down the alley By the bayou Comes back Two minutes later Holding my dog J.J. J. Watt Is Superman he I was just gonna Clark- say He is Clark Kent <laughs> He is – I've never met a person that I can call all-American. He's fucking all-American. He, he smells like apple pie.
1: There was a part – how
0: in, come your dog wasn't, like, chewing through a wall? <laughs> my dog doesn't have to eat the things that Mike Dean's dog <laughs> had to eat. Um, in, the, in Hard Knocks, in maybe, like, the second episode or something, there was a montage of his, of his workday on the field, and he was the last man – he might have been the first guy there, and then the last man to leave – and he's there taking football shot from, like, the jugs machine closer and closer and closer, like, one-handed. And then after that, when all the fans are there, he's still running and, like, signing every autograph and shaking hands and taking pictures. But and- isn't
1: that the same mentality as, like, Kobe? Maybe not the signing stuff.
2: I think Kobe Bryant might be the most honest athlete we have, Right. He's honest enough to admit that I don't care about having a relationship right. with my teammates. I just want to win games, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. can be friends in the fucking offseason <laughs> if it's even necessary for us to be friends. But if, at the very least, we should all be dedicating ourselves to fucking winning. And Kobe Bryant is probably the last of that era that didn't give a fuck about making friends with for guys sure. on other teams. Also, you have to look into it's something that somebody had to bring to, to my attention AAU changed the way that these players know each other, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. So these guys grow up playing with each other for years um, in AAU games. Then they go to college together. So by the time they get to the pros, they're old friends. You know what I'm saying? So as opposed to guys that came in, have these college rivalries, which we that's another aspect. We don't have guys that stay in colleges two, three, four years. Right. So we don't watch. We will see Duke play UNC, but it won't be like watching those guys, certain players play every year. I can't wait to see Akeem play this guy again. You know, we don't have that anymore because guys don't stay with teams um, throughout four years of college. So it's just guys know it's just a friendlier game of basketball than we're used to. And because it's not a violent, inherently violent sport mm-hmm. and.
1: Well, you basketball, didn't see the Knicks beat up. the. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's that's. Exclusive to the Knicks, it's got nothing to do with sports in general. But but it doesn't really exist like that. So that's why the dynamic, I guess, in the NBA, other than uh, as opposed to a lot of these other ones, is different. Because in the NFL, we still got to fucking run into each other and hit each other. Um, and in baseball, it's, it's it's guys come from high school, guys come from college, guys come from other countries. So there's no there's no real friendships in that
1: sense like that. I don't have any good Hakeem Olajuwon stories because I didn't grow up in Houston. But I'm assuming that you might. I don't really um, anybody from that era
0: like Drexler Robert all the good Horry. St-
2: all the um, Vernon Maxwell
0: Vernon Maxwell <laughs> Vernon seems, Maxwell is the same. guy
2: that if that's the kind of thing you're looking for <laughs> Vernon Maxwell was the guy Vernon Maxwell had the panic room in his house
3: <laughs> really
2: <laughs> in the 80s like on some so so if you, you got a panic room in the 80s you're not hiding from someone you're hiding stuff <laughs> from someone but uh yeah Vernon was into a lot of different crazy wild shit and those it was really fun watching those guys and Sam Cassell too was actually Sam was the city guy. Like, Sam was the guy that you saw in the clubs, out with the people. That was; Those were really fun times watching those guys. Actually, my sister-in-law when because Sam was the one that, after Houston Rockets have just won the NBA finals, what are you going to do? I'm going to fucking Disneyland. <laughs> and he took my sister-in-law. So, <laughs> so she got to ride on the jet and do the whole thing. Like, that was pretty cool.
1: Um, can we all agree that, like Sam, I could sell might be the worst line ever?
2: <laughs> yeah. I actually said – um. Because I Sam Cassell almost ran me over one night in his Range Rover. Really? And I put it in, in uh break you off something. I said, I'm coming down like a cell in that goddamn rover. Because <laughs> we talked about that shit all the time. Like, man, remember, remember you almost killed me? Like, like legitimately. Like, literally like.
3: <laughs> what the fuck? that Sam
1: Cassell? <laughs> in one club, was that Infinity? That's how long ago. That was years ago. Um, I once saw Stefan Marbury open his uh, car door and then spit at my car <laughs> and then drive off.
0: So that's nice. Yeah, that was cool.
1: Yeah. That's my MBA. It's another same person. Yeah. You were never supposed
2: to wash your car again. Yeah. <laughs> you had, you had, I need Stefan Marbury. You had Marbury spit on your car. You know <laughs> yeah. what that's worth in China right now? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what can you tell us about TV Johnny?
2: TV Johnny is a very, very good person. Like outside of all the jewelry yeah. and every whatever. Yeah. T V Johnny invites me to every birthday party. It T V Johnny invites me to every special moment in his life. I remember he had a birthday party where his parents were there and his parents he talked about his his dad was there talking about breaking out of uh, fucking Vietnamese prison huh. and how hard they fought to get him here and you know, how how hard he fought to make a living and carve out. It was just incredible to hear TV Johnny's story. We just see the little funny Asian guy sure. with all the jury on. Mm. That dude had a fucking his whole. F- I, it's amazing that they've been able to achieve what they've been able to achieve. And he's he's always like Bumby. We have uh, we have golf tournament. I want you my golf tournament. Please bring the wife. You know uh, Bumby. We have birthday party big. You know, but not a lot of people. But we want. He's just so. He's a good person. TV yeah. Johnny has helped everybody. That's awesome. I think at one point or another. And did you know him really before he
0: connected with Paul?
2: No, no. Okay. Just kind of all met him at the same time. Hmm. And just Paul just ended up carving out their relationship with him. That's all. Awesome. But he's such a And I know all the jury guys, and they're all great people. But TV Johnny is just a really, really nice guy. I've never seen him sad. Hmm. But I guess if you got the kind of money TV Johnny <laughs> has, you got no reason to be sad at all.
1: Um, Did you ever get into grills? I had a grill. Did you?
2: Yeah, TV Johnny.
1: I mean, he they he did it for free. Yeah, yeah. Just like I want to give you a grill.
2: He's like, I know you're not going to buy one. <laughs> so if I want to see you in a TV Johnny grill, I got to make you one, so I went
1: fucking Paul Did, did my you do uh shit. tops and bottoms or? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: Man. What was oh, it? Do you still have them? I think they're in my they're in my in my jewelry box somewhere. Wow, that was it's. I never m- felt comfortable. Well, <laughs> never. Just, all but, that shit. Like I just just the amount of saliva that builds up from having gold. Girls what if you shit had them. it
0: implanted like Kanye does?
2: That's I don't know. Just, That's
0: just like next level shit. If
2: you're gonna do that, just get veneers and just be done with it. Just <laughs> yeah. just be done with it.
0: Oh right, you're a Rembrandt guy. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I, yeah. I'm not allowed.
1: Is there any chance that? And I know people have asked you like a million times, but I feel like of anyone. Uh, Within the hip hop community, like you are very well suited to become a politician if Fox News doesn't dig up your 16 year old, you know, uh, verses. That's fine. I think people
2: are over that. I think people are really kind of over that. My career would be of no hindrance to me winning a political election in at least the city of houston if Mm -hmm. not the state of texas i don't if that's something i wanted to do Mm -hmm. i think i've done enough beyond maybe a couple of controversial verses or whatever Mm -hmm. i've done more than enough to kind of balance that type of shit out and if you got to reach back 25 years to something i said something i said or i thought or felt when i was 18 or 19 when i was high on drugs as a way to define me as a man a husband and a grandfather and in 2015 you're just fucking reaching dog
1: but isn't that like that is what fox news does
2: <laughs> i mean that's what the media does in general right mm-hmm. like conservative media is gonna find dirt on mm-hmm. on on people and you know vice versa that's just kind of how that works you know but most of my shit's out there already so i figure, you know you write a tell-all and put it out there and then you can kind of play it how you want but
1: mm-hmm. i mean it's but you it's, have no a- aspirations to go into politics
2: It's different. Right. Because when you do everything that you do affects everyone around you. Right. So if I decide I want to run for politics, then my family runs for politics. Right. right? Right. So not only do they try to drag me through the mud, they're going to try to find every instance to drag my wife through the mud, my daughter, my son, anybody associated with me. They're going to try to tear them down. In one form or another, and I just wouldn't want to put that kind of pressure on the people I love. That's a lot to ask, you sure. know? And it's not my first love, right? Like, I can see if I was a political science major and I was always involved in that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. had a law degree and was in the, in that world, right, in the search for justice and something like that, then it's different. And Because then the woman that you marry understands that. The children you raise understand that, and the family's a little bit more prepared for the sacrifice that it takes to get there. Because, But they're willing to support... the the father because they or the mother whoever because they know that's what they really want to do right right? that's not really what i really want to do people think i'd be good at it but i'm i don't don't know that's something you 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 don't just be married you don't just decide to run that's something you really have to want to do that right because there's opportunities to really affect people's lives i talked to um um i think his name is a kasem reed in atlanta i'm trying to think of it the mayor's name in Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked to him when the outcast did the uh, the three three days yep. in the park. And I asked him, like, what's it like being mayor? I was like, you know, there's, there's conversations being had, and they're, they're doing polls and shit and mm-hmm. test, checking the temperature, so to speak, of the city as to whether or not I would have a legitimate run at mayor. And I was like, what's it like being a mayor? He's like, there's a lot of bullshit that you have to deal with, right? Being mayor means that you have to – shake hands and sit across from people that you probably really don't want to fuck with. Mm-hmm. He says, but also being mayor means that every now and then when that letter comes in about the old lady whose streets fucked up and her yard is shitty and all this kind of stuff, and you can actually send somebody over there and fucking fix that shit and help somebody. It's like those little moments make dealing with all these assholes mm-hmm. right. worth it. He's like, so if you, if you really want to do it, it's like don't worry about the stuff that you're not gonna like. Just remind yourself that you can help people, right? And if, and if you go into it thinking like that, that's kind of the term you'll have.
0: Yeah, you know, again from an outsider's perspective, I feel like if there's anyone built for that,
2: it could be you. I've I've built myself for leadership positions, right? Exactly. Like I've been working towards that. Right? So I don't know where that goes, you know. And that ain't an easy job either. No. You know, that's not an easy fucking job. So I commend her. Our mayor is cool as shit. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I wanted to be a mayor, like that's the lead I would take. Our mayor has improved the quality of living as much as she possibly could. She's definitely raised the awareness of arts and culture and, and, you know, trying to, she's trying, you know, Yeah, she's trying. And that's really all you can do in those positions when you're in politics is try. So, I feel like you can get a lot more done outside of it than inside.
0: So. And, in well, and talk about sitting across from people you may not like, you've dealt with a lot of record executives. <laughs> I mean, shit, just pretty much, rats. that's pretty rats. much, that's
2: pretty much all you do is sit across <laughs> from people you don't like. But I mean, you know, doing the music, everybody understood what that was going to be going in. Politics is a little bit different. Um, today. I couldn't say that I've already made a commitment to support a candidate going into the next election anyway. Mm. Um, but, I mean, who's to say? Eight, nine, ten years down the line. Maybe my grandkids are a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife gets a little older. and gets a little bit more of that I don't give a shit <laughs> attitude, as old people tend to do. Sure. Stop caring about what people say or whatever. Who knows, man? If I feel the city needs me, mm-hmm. I'll go for it. I don't think the city needs me to be as mayor. I think we have a very competent mayor now. Mm-hmm. I think we have um, a, a person that, you know, competent enough to to, 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 to do her job when she's done. But... If the next round of guys come around and they're full of shit, I might have to just on general purpose.
1: Um, you know, fuck,
2: I, fuck winning. Somebody just got to take a stand sometimes.
1: I do like how we started this podcast, you know, talking about like basically a waste of time, you know, normal stuff, and now we're. Getting into like meet the press territory.
2: This is because right. this is where you guys are going to be eventually. You, I am looking at the George Stephanopoulos's.
1: Oh, well, that's more this week on ABC. <laughs> but you know, he did, was... he did
0: go to our elementary school for for a couple of years. Yeah, he's like See? the most famous alumni from uh, Purchase Elementary School. Shout out to Purchase. Yeah, we do need to mention Gumball um, okay. because we look, had. Look Al- just woke up. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had Alchemist on the podcast, and um, I don't know if we got deep into it for that episode, but we did talk to him like off the air about it mm. and how much he was looking forward to doing it and we've known how much you've loved and oh, and yeah, how much so it really a like lot changed of your life people don't know what gumball is probably so gumball well, is
2: gumball 3000 it's a car rally um it consists of driving 3000 miles we'd like to say seven days but really the first day is registration so it's really honestly it's 3000 miles in six days
0: which is a lot
2: yeah, we average about anywhere from four fifty 500. to five fifty yeah. a day. Yeah. So some days we'll only do maybe three forty, three fifty, and some days we'll do like seven hundred miles, eight hundred miles in a day.
1: And when you're driving thirty miles an hour, it's just like <laughs> it just drags.
2: Yeah. I mean well every now and then you'll get behind a, a, a mule drawn carriage and the outskirts of turkey. Mm-hmm. But um I mean we, we have fun. People think it's just a bunch of rich people driving around in cars and, and they're right. They're, <laughs> well, I mean, they're not broke right but they're not broke but... you've shown
0: us you've shown us pictures that they've sent you of like actual car grills turned into desks yeah
2: so okay so they are rich <laughs> guys right and they are driving around in cars right but that's not what it's really about right because i can show you the pictures of the cars and the parties and all of that but it's about like there's if you're in a car with guys for eight hours right we're gonna talk about everything right and that's what happens we it's really more of a bonding experience than anything else. The way it even came together was the creator, Maximilian Cooper, was like, I got friends that are models. I have friends that are musicians. I have, I have friends that are Eve. artists. <laughs> well, this is priority. Yeah. He's like, I'm thinking I have all these cool friends, right? But they don't know each other. I know them, mm-hmm. but they don't know each other. How can I get all these people who I'm sure would love each other if they met each other all together? Like, How do I convince them to all hang out and it was like hey let's take our nice cars and drive around the country for a couple of days and see what happens and so it started with like you know a few undesirable people and like naomi campbell and
0: you know naomi campbell was like that naomi's making that eight hour a day trip well it wasn't it wasn't as
2: extensive as it is now right so how many windows did she break that's a good question (laughs) thank you that's a good question. I bet she can break your windows anytime, my friend.
1: That's what she said. Um <laughs> Um all right, so no names. Uh you said there are some crazy stories that you hear on uh on these gumball trips. What's the craziest story you've heard without like any like details I would incriminate? Oh people? no,
2: no. There was a guy this year that tried to guy showed up um the one morning on the grid, beat up basically. And like who beat you up? And he basically tried to tell this story that he had gotten kidnapped and tied up and put in the closet and had to fight his way out and all that. He just, he, but but over the next couple of days, we kind of watched him and his mannerisms, <laughs> and he was pretty much just a, a dickhead mm-hmm. and asshole. And we just all assumed somebody just put some hands on him at some point. And that guy is alchemist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, do you drive?
2: I drive. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure.
0: Heavy foot. <laughs> that silence says a lot.
2: Charles, you want to tell that story? There was a time I crossed five lanes of a highway in front of an 18-wheeler trying to stay behind him. He actually then drove on the shoulder for a bit (laughs) and then right before we exited, he realized he didn't want to go there and drove through the grass to get back on the highway. And my co-pilot's just sitting there, moon-eyed, freaking out. (laughs) And this guy's just acting like, I call him, I'm
0: like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, go, oh, I was thinking about getting a burger, but then I was like, oh, fuck you.
0: <laughs> Are you trying to get killed? I know. Wait, 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 wait. And you think Sam Cassell is a poor driver? That was a very, that was, out of all the driving, that was. <laughs>
1: that, that was the worst. Exactly. That
2: was the worst. That's about as bad as That's not all I do. But I, when I want a burger, man, I want a fucking burger. Apparently. Right? apparently. Five lanes of traffic and 18 wheelers and grass don't today. stop me, dog.
0: <laughs> you have any good titty boy stories? Because. If there's anyone who seems like the next most genuine person next to you, he seems like that guy. It was obvious that
2: one way or another Titty was going to win. He was so different from everything that was specifically in that camp, right? Mm-hmm. He was so different from everything, right? But the talent was there, it was recognized. But I will say he has always been a dresser. Yeah, <laughs> He has always been like, clothes first I'm finna be fresh he was a duffel bag boy and all of that shit he was always remember getting out the helicopter with the fucking shark skin (laughs) suit one time at his birthday party It's always been that but he's so smart yeah like that's one thing you can talk you can talk to Titty about anything like you can actually have a conversation with him about almost anything it's really cool Guys, I hate to I hate no, to keep no. going, but <laughs> I got a Yankees Astros game to get to. Right. Yeah, shout out to Dan for yeah. the link. Bun, we
0: obviously appreciate you coming I, through. I,
2: I do want to, you know, send prayers up for CC though. I really want to yeah, see no CC yeah. win because I feel like shit because I literally was like, like calling CC all weekend for tickets and fucking finding out yesterday he fucking. Sh- I feel like an asshole for bothering that guy. I had wow, no, I had no idea that he was, that was going on with him. But, yeah, I mean, look. But, I mean, if you're going to go to Yankees, I mean, and it's always been like, hey, man, if you ever want to come. Because we know each other through Jordan Brand or whatever. Sure. You know? yeah. So it's always like, man, anytime you want to come to a game. You know, I met him at a fucking Nets game. He's like, man, come see me pitch. Come see me pitch. And, That's dope. So I'm fucking calling him. And the dude's going through one of the worst times in his life. And I'm asking him for fucking baseball tickets.
0: But meanwhile, what? Yeah, you your connect is, is through. It's the real. So, <laughs> Well, it's okay to do douchey things with douchey people. <laughs> uh, thanks, man.
2: Thank you, guys, man. We're going it.